Welcome to Challenging Christianity. I'm your host, Rebecca Kinnestrand. Do you consider yourself spiritual but non-religious? Agnostic. Or maybe you grew up in a church but don't believe what you were taught there anymore. This podcast exists in that space between all-in or all-out religion. Join us in asking questions that challenge the notions of Christianity. Welcome to Challenging Christianity. This is Rebecca Kinnestrand. Daniel Dadashi is with me and Pastor Katie McCallum Soxy. Foxy Soxy. Well done. Um, so oh my god, we're back. It's, it's so been good to a see long your face. time. I know. I know. We literally we haven't done a podcast, an episode since the before times. It's was way pre-COVID, I think February or something. When we were at our retreat, the women's retreat, um, in late February, people were like, oh, you need to get a new episode out. And I was like, I'm going to do that. And that was like February 28th. And then everything <laughs> just went kaput. The <laughs> end was... of the world as we know it. A <laughs> lifetime ago. I do not feel fine. No. <laughs> <laughs> that is a false premise. That, <laughs> that song false... has really betrayed me. <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. It's not fine. Nothing is fine. <laughs> That kind of brings us into what we're going to talk about. I mean, there's, we have a pre-meeting to this and we're, we just, we're like, well, what can we talk about? Let's see a million things. Maybe (laughs) the pandemic, the plague we're living through. Yeah. The new civil rights era, just all things, um, all things. Settle in for a five hour podcast, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) we're going to take it in sections but uh we definitely wanted to uh you know we're not going to go slow here as far or I mean we're not going to rush through things here I want to really talk about what's been happening and just acknowledge to everyone out there that um I don't feel fine and I think there's a lot of um I know that it's very American to sort of say we're going to get through this we're going to pull through and Um, do put your best face forward and all these great optimistic things. And normally I can be like that, but honestly, I think it's good, especially in this forum to acknowledge that this is super hard and it's super hard, even for people who haven't been directly touched with some tragedy, you know, that's happened in the past six months. And so um, thank God I've got pastor Katie here because (laughs) I feel Uh like um, we need some pastoring we we are in desperate need and i will it's been a long gap since our last podcast and that's almost entirely my fault um rebecca was ready to get back into the podcasting world months ago and i was just not it has been an overwhelming time for me work wise and personally it was just it felt like there was no air left in the balloon. I was blown up to my max capacity and I didn't feel like there was a spare moment in the day to breathe. And as a single person who doesn't have kids um, at home, most of the time I have my nieces staying with me briefly right now, but usually I don't have kids with me. September has been a breather for me because I finally feel like I'm five months, six months into like, doing online stuff and I feel like I've got it under control and I don't have kids to try to desperately get through online school so I don't know how you two are doing it yeah well I mean no blame to go going around at all I mean everybody had to just stop the presses and pivot and be like well how do we make this happen how do we 
continue church services? How do we continue pastoring? How do we continue anything, you know, in the new moment? And so, and I was also happy to sort of put a pause on and say, I got to get my own life together as well. Um, actually the fall has been a lot harder for me than summer because, uh, you know, kids in school and school is just not school right now. It's a different thing. I don't know what it's called. If they call it school, it's not really school. (laughs) It's it's a crazy thing to have two working parents and children who need your help kind of all the time. And the September rollout and the technology fails and the communication fails and the endless meetings to try to discuss these failings and how do we fix them. And, um, it's, it's hard. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Pastor Katie thoughts. <laughs> yeah, it is hard. I was just listening to a, uh, a different podcast, you know, a rival podcast. How dare you? <laughs> um, I know. Um, with Brene Brown, you know, oh, okay. So, about the same level of podcast as we're doing right here. Um, and she was talking about an article she'd read about like the six month mark, which in my brain, I'm like, actually, if you're in the Seattle area, we're like at the eight month mark at this point, because right. we got this thing started early. Mm-hmm. But um, just people's, you know, when people study like disaster relief and um, survival skills and people who work in relief after, you know, after hurricane, the people who go down after they hit the six month mark and they just get, they're just, it's like a predictable, normal thing where your brain, all the strategies you use to get through the initial thing, they are no longer sustainable. Interesting. But she said, Mm. she said what, what's happening right now. And this really helped me just kind of process my own experience. She said, what's happening right now is we're, we're trying to recover from the hurricane, but the hurricane is still going. So we're like trying to do all the recovery work. But meanwhile, the, the wind is still breaking the windows and stuff still falling off the shelves. Mm. And we're also trying to recover, but the disaster itself isn't done yet. And that, for some reason, that metaphor really stuck with me. And just the, um, I think it is really, really valuable to, to be honest about how hard it is. And not to, which I think a lot of us do, I do this, not to constantly be saying, I know other people have it so much harder. So right. I should be, I should be grateful for all that I have. Okay. That's, it's okay to think that it's okay to say that, but you can also just feel your, feel your pain. <laughs> you don't have mm-hmm. to justify, you know, mm-hmm. yes, other people do have it harder and it is still hard for everyone. As you said, Rebecca, mm-hmm. at the beginning, it's hard. It's, it's just hard. hard. And, and I think it's, I think it's better to just say the thing, feel the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you do when you're wallowing in this hardness? I know that um, <laughs> I'll take us off topic into natural disasters, but I, we took this uh, two week uh, um, trip through Oregon, you know, a road trip as in people are not flying and uh, we were camping and so on. And I was standing two weeks ago in spots that are now ash, you know, the donut mm-hmm. shop that we got our donuts in are ash. And the, this is a place I used to live in, in Ashland, Oregon, and up through Talent and Phoenix, they're gone. Everything there's gone. And these are not wealthy people, and they're migrant workers, and they're living in, uh, you know, manufactured housing. And they're they're like, we didn't have a job, so we stopped paying insurance on it. You know, when COVID hit, and it's ash now. And so, you know, I look at that, and I'm just like, what? How do I? process how do I help how do I you know live in my reality of just me getting up every day trying to get my kids through their 
crazy online school day and then you know keeping my heart these people who are really suffering as well it's just it's it's just so much like daniel was saying the balloon is right at its breaking point (laughs) there's no more air (laughs) to get in and yet you have to and yet you do and you go through so Mm -hmm. Um, it it felt like we were in our lives were in figurative ash like everything was burned down and then the air turned toxic and there was ash all around us in the air you couldn't even go outside and it was that week where we were or a week and a half that was a bad week oh it was a it was a hard week I felt like I just kept saying over and over again I'm trapped with my own thoughts that's Mm. the only place to go is in my head I can't go outside I can't go inside anywhere what's left yeah yeah and the existential feeling like is am I the last generation to breathe clean air you know is it my what legacy am I leaving my children that they're gonna have maybe this every few months of the year or what have you um that was a bad that was a rough week (laughs) that week when we couldn't breathe the air (laughs) that felt like I might as well be living on Mars because if I'm just going to be in this bubble um maybe we should turn a little bit I don't know if you have words as far as this is not the first time there's been plague in the land um so historically or maybe biblically like theologically what what do we have to anchor ourselves to here? Um, I was thinking about that a little bit. I mean, there's some interesting um, writing about Martin Luther having lived through, you know, the, I mean, what we think of as the black death or the black plague, which was, we, I think we tend to think of it as being active in Europe in the 1300s and 1400s, which it was, but then it kept popping up. Like it didn't, which kind of, there's ways in which reading about this stuff is like, ah, crap. <laughs> you know, like, when does the thing, when it, when does it go away altogether and never come back? Um, right. Which, you know, eventually it does. But so in yes. Luther's day, there was um, a incident of the, incidents of the plague in his area in Wittenberg. And, and, um, and he has some, he wrote about that. And mm. he wrote about that it was important to serve your neighbor as much as you can to do things that keep your neighbor safe. Um, you know, like in our day, wear a mask, right? Or just mm-hmm. try, you know, social distancing, physical distancing. Um, I mean, he was dealing with some of that stuff too, and and that we had an obligation to care for each other, um, that God has given us to each other, that we have an obligation to care for our medical staff, hospitals. Um, of course, you know, very different healthcare system 500 years ago, but still, um, a <laughs> mm-hmm. lot of it is really prescient. You read it and you're like, wow, this is oddly helpful. <laughs> um, wish we weren't dealing with a plague, but here we are. Um, so that's been really interesting to read and, and that we're obligated to do the things that make our neighbors safer. Um, and I, you know, one of the things I really grieve about is how those choices, you know, we're, we're living through something that, that is evolving and changing and our understanding of this disease and its impacts and it, how it that transmits and how to protect ourselves, all that's changing over time because we're learning about it, you know, and that's a good thing. I mean, that's how science works. But, um, you know, I grieve that instead of asking ourselves, how can I take care of my neighbor? Um, we seem to be asking ourselves, how can I do what's least disruptive for me? Or how can I, how, what can I get away with? Or how can I, you know, mm. I, 
I just, I think Luther is always pointing us toward, and I think the Bible is pointing us toward, like, how do you do the thing that, that makes your neighbor's life better? Um, Mm. And I just, I would love for us as Christians to be constantly putting that question in front of ourselves and in front of our, our, our nation and our world. Um, Mm. You know, so, and and that's not, I don't think that's really where our national discourse (laughs) is, you know, instead we're mm-hmm. having arguments about, you know, lots of things. Um, right. So well, mm-hmm. I was just gonna, that made me think of a couple of things um, because Ashland is so close to my heart. Like I said, I used to live there. I went to school there. I go watch shows there, you know, when I can, it's the, the mm-hmm. home of the Oregon Shakespeare festival and um, talent in Phoenix are these two towns that are just North of them by a couple of miles that have been destroyed and there's a a restaurant that I ate in there three weeks ago it's called Masala and I know the woman who runs it and if I just random because I used a credit card there she um, sent me sort of an email and saying that they were trying to they were giving away meals to the folks who had lost everything and um, I was able to I was just so happy to like have an avenue you know and I gave some money to her to be able to you know continue to provide those meals it felt like a very close on the ground sort of thing to do that, you know, spoke to me to, to be able to do. Um, because I don't know in my little suburban world, like take care of my neighbor. I do talk to my elderly people, but to find those, those other places that maybe, you know, it isn't that touches you just whatever touches you to be able to do. Cause sometimes just giving to the American Red Cross is just a little too ethereal and doesn't, yeah. necessarily mm-hmm. touch you in a way, but this was really heartfelt for me to be able to give to that particular place where I had been just three weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. You know, so exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. It never seems like enough. And then it brings me to the idea that I also feel like everybody have the internet. So plague time, we'll just move everything online and everything is the same. Don't worry about it. We're just going to do it online. And it's totally not. And that is driving me a little bit crazy. And um, it's trying to jam as opposed to, I thought, hmm, you know, even 10 years ago, if this virus had come along, nobody would be working. I mean, there would be no avenue to work perhaps or there'd be a completely different way of going about it I mean we would not be having endless zoom calls and things like that so that ability to stop and pause during this really intense time has kind of been taken away from us and I have to say I've gotten a little resentful sometimes I mean I get it you know I'm so very grateful to be able to work from home and keep my job going but I'm resentful for all these meetings and these people pushing into my life on online and into my inbox for, Oh, just, you know, have the class, we have it online or, you know, do this and do it online and do you do your yoga online. And, you know, it's like, stop, stop. Danielle, what do you think? I Am I being rude? <laughs> no, I couldn't. So my part of my official title is director of online ministries, which is part thing I made up. Because <laughs> I thought it sounded real official and fancy. Well um, done. It used to just mean I update the website, and then the plague came, and it meant a whole lot of different things. And it's like how to get the the worship online, and how to get yeah. people to submit videos to do all this stuff. And 
I feel like a cheerleader for the online part. I feel like that's kind of my role is to tell people, it's going to be great. It's easy. We'll just do it online. We'll do it in a new way. It'll be great. And I mean, I can, I find myself annoying myself with it because (laughs) I'm not, I don't want to be cheerful about it, but if I have to get the uh, assisting minister who does not want to film herself, but Mm -hmm. wants to be in worship and she can't figure it out. I can't tell her. Yeah, this is the worst. It's not even <laughs> worth trying. Like you have no, to no, say, no, no. it's going to be great. We all want to see you. Well, there's and, that balance. Yeah, there's that balance of providing something that people want and to have a connection and providing it. Um, and then I maybe this is just the idea of be okay saying no or um, making your own boundaries in this new world. Um because it may be everything in the world may be out there for your palate to taste, but you don't necessarily have to gorge yourself. Um, I think that that sort of mental intrusion into that space is, has been a hard thing for me, for sure. It's also been hard, Pastor Katie, you could probably speak to this, on imagining ways to make worship when you're online, when a lot of worship is about being in community. Oh, yeah. This idea of like, okay, so some people are with their families, but a lot of people are going to be just with one person or by themselves. How do we, what does worship mean when people are not coming together physically? Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's super hard. And I think, I mean, inherently, this just isn't what it's meant to be. This just, this is a Band-Aid and it has some value to it. And I've felt like people from the congregation have reached out to many, many of of those of us on staff and been like, thank you so much for doing this. We're so grateful. But there's always in that, there's always some kind of indication of like, of their grief over, you know, they're not blaming us or anyone, but they're just like, man, I really, really miss what they say is I really, really miss church. And, you know, what we've sort of said from the beginning is, you know, church is more than a building. Church isn't the building. Church is the people. And that's true. But, and people aren't saying that they miss the building as much. They're just saying they miss like the humans. Mm -hmm. And, and in order to be, um, you know, I keep reminding myself too about school because I have a elementary schooler, you know, that, that we're doing all of this. We're doing the church thing and the school thing and all this we're not doing it because we looked at each other and we're like, you know, what would be fun and interesting (laughs) would be if we tried to put everything online, let's just see how, like we're doing this to save people's lives. And if we do that, if we save some lives, we're good. We did it. We're good. Everything else is secondary. I, you know, but, but that's really hard to remember because the loss of human community is so profound and there is nothing including zoom that truly makes up for it. And I just think we're just, we're just wired to be in connection with each other in physical connection with each other. Um, Even just like going to a Starbucks and being around other people. If you're not somebody who wants to. I miss my coffee shops. Yeah. Right. All that stuff. It's just, and I, and like you said, Rebecca, like, I don't think we ever had time or took time or, and we're not very good at it in our culture. We never had time to like gr- truly grieve what we were losing. We were just frantically trying to like 
make it better. Do it in a different way. Yeah. It'd and be okay. It, you know, mm-hmm. and, and now maybe that's part of our, our weariness is this like, so I, I, so I thought about this the other day. I, this last summer I took a bike ride with my daughter, um, with some family members. We were on the Hiawatha trail, which you go up to the, um, border of Idaho and Montana. And then you do this trail that used to be a railroad track, but they've removed all the tracks and you go on this mm. very beautiful and it's like a 2% grade all the way down. So the actual bike riding part is super easy. Mm-hmm. But when you first start this bike ride, there's a bunch of railroad tunnels. And the first tunnel is a mile and a half long. And you have to have a special light on your bicycle because oh, it is so this. dark mm-hmm. once you get in there that you can barely, you can't see your hand in front of your face. You can just see like your tire and about six inches in front of that. And the second I got in that tunnel, I was like, no, I don't know. <laughs> I want you to go away. But because, right. my, because my kid was there, I could not like curl up into a fetal <laughs> position and cry, which is what I wanted to do. And yes. I just like the only way out of this is to go forward. Right. And so I, you know, I go and go and go and it's also raining and it was muddy and it was slick and I'm gripping my bike. Like God. my life depended on yes. it and I keep going and going. And after a while you can start to see the end of the, the light at the end of the tunnel, not a metaphor. And so yeah. <laughs> I'm going and going and going and I keep going and it's like the end of the tunnel kept moving. I'm like, are they stretching this stupid thing out? <laughs> like, come on. And so that is kind of the metaphor that I've been in right now. Like, I feel like I'm in the middle of this tunnel. The only way out is forward. And I understand that, but it's like the stupid light keeps moving. And the further I go, the further away it is. And so I, you know, for a, whatever, I don't know, whatever it's worth that metaphor, but I just, that's kind of, to me, this place where it's just, yeah, it's, it's hard and nothing is going to truly make up for it. Yeah. And our parent, you know, anytime I talk to parents, it's always, so when do you think the schools are opening or when do you think the schools are opening? And I'm like, you know, because early back in March, it was, they, they were like, we're taking six weeks off. Remember that? Remember when it was like six yeah. weeks? Uh-huh. <laughs> right? And I'm like, I don't know, winter of 2022. I don't know. Like, it's just, yeah, I'm in the tunnel. Totally. I don't think it's going to happen this year or if it, or, you know, and then there's a personal belief of what you think should happen, not what is actually going to happen. Um, and, you know, my personal thought is that it's going to be just like any vaccine. They're going to be like, have you got the vaccine? And you can, you, you know, kids need to have that be vaccinated to go to school. Um, whether that actually happens or not, I don't know. But it's, um, yeah, it has changed a lot. And it reminds me of that phrase, you know, when you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> it's yeah. just, that's in the tunnel. That's an. I just wanted to make a point out to people listening that which uh, you're talking about. It's called tracks to trails or rails to trails. Rails that, to trails. It's a conservancy, mm-hmm. and you can go online and and uh, look at rails to trails. It's a really great uh, movement. That it is, and I'll tell you, it's totally worth it to do that. That trail is amazing. Uh, just be prepared for that first tunnel. There's like eight more. They're much, much, much shorter. Um, the views up there are are totally stunning and, and great. 
we would, at a different time when we were down um, the family, we went to Mount St. Helens and Stefan had this great idea that we were going to do, um, there's all these lava tubes and you go cave spelunking essentially through these lava tubes. And there's like the family friendly one that's a half mile little, you know, lava tube thing. Oh no, no, we had to do the long one. I don't know how long it was, maybe two miles or something, but it isn't like you're just walking along. You're climbing over, you know, cave-ins and boulders and and up these slick rocks and, you know, really spelunking and you're underground and you can't get out. And it was really, I, I, I shed some tears in there. (laughs) And Stefan doesn't understand at all. And I was just, there was one point where there was a, a cave in. And so you could see light, like, like the light of God beaming down into this (laughs) cave, right? I stood under it, like weeping. It's like, let me out. I feel like Again. we're in the middle of this, and it's like, who didn't pick the family-friendly spelunking? Who yeah. decided we were going to go on this spelunking trip? This is like the Bad black spelunk. diamond of spelunking trips. Yeah, who who decided the epide- this pandemic was going to be black diamond spelunking through the mile and a half tunnel? <laughs> well, funny about plagues, because I've actually been... <laughs> I was listening to yet a different podcast and there was a guy on there who was talking about typhus and how Mm -hmm. it was actually a whole podcast about um, pesticides. And he was discussing how the soldiers um, in World War II, when they came back and they actually stopped typhus in its tracks in Italy by spraying all these people down with DDT and what that was and, you know, why blah, blah, blah about DDT. But the point was, is about typhus. And he was like, you know, 90% death rate with typhus and it's, um, you get it by body lice. So when people were living in caverns during the war and, you know, uh, really unsanitary conditions, a lot of typhus would break out. And, you know, it just puts COVID to shame, right? Like a 90% catch and death rate. And so a lot of the pesticides that we started using back in the day were actually, they they had good intentions, you know, to stop these terrible diseases in their tracks and that kind of thing. But just to recall that there's still a lot of, diseases out there that are there are modern day plagues and and still affect a lot of people um things that i miss too like my favorite thing in the world is you know going to coffee shops to work and being around the hubbub and going out dancing i i do social dancing like lindy hop salsa all of that and i was like when am I going to be with strangers spitting and sweating on them again? Like, when is that ever going to happen? You know, I feel, I feel like I watch TV for stuff that was shot before COVID and yeah. it feels so edgy. I'm like, they're hugging each other, like just strangers. Yelling all these faces. <laughs> I'm like, and I, I, on, I think it's going to be like how kind of when I was growing up, my mom would always say like, okay, well, your Nana does that. She, she grew up during the depression. Okay. So she doesn't throw away bags. She just doesn't. <laughs> and I, I feel like it's going to be generations from now. It's going to be like, okay, well, you just wash your hands when you go into grandma's house. Okay. She lived through COVID. We wash our right. hands. We don't, we're not going to blow out candles on a cake. Okay. It make grandma upset. She lived through COVID. <laughs> That's totally right. <laughs> I feel like it's going to change a lot of what we do. it's it's changing our DNA, like how we look at things, how we view things. What is communion and passing the peace going to look like after all this is done? Because I think there's going to be anxiety that lingers from this and real or imagined the things that bring us comfort, which used to be a shared meal together. 
reaching out and shaking a hand, giving a hug. Those used to be comforting things that reduce anxiety. And maybe they will be for some folks when this is over, but I think there's also going to be people for whom those symbols and acts that we use as in worship are going to be anxiety producing and not bring comfort. They're going to feel like that thing you have to get through in worship because that's part of what church is. It's, I don't know. It, it makes me think a lot about what worship is going to look like when we come back together. Hmm. The thing I miss most, well, I might be overstating it, but maybe <laughs> not. The thing I miss most about worship is singing and oh, um, yes. singing with other people. And, um, you know, the science is just saying that that's like probably the worst possible thing you could do. Like the most effective way to spread COVID, <laughs> it seems to be to sing. In a choir, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so it just, that just breaks my heart um, because that's that's something that I feel like we don't do as a culture a lot. I remember reading once that like the two places you can really sing with people are in church and then during the seventh inning stretch at a baseball game. <laughs> and like, that's kind of it. Um, Cause so much of our singing now is just performed for us instead of being something that we participate, that we sing along with. Yeah. Um, you know, people don't even sing like the national anthem at the football game. You listen to somebody singing it, but you don't sing it. So um, that's something I, you know, so much of what we do in worship is like highly, highly, highly dangerous, which actually I think is, could make a great sermon. Like worship should be dangerous, but not in this way, not, not in the like COVID spreading way. But anyway, um, but you know, a Jesus was definitely a, yeah, exactly. Definitely a, um, uh, job hazard for me is like trying to find a sermon in everything. So I have to let that go. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, those things that, again, that we sort of like, they, you didn't realize how maybe life-giving they were until they were gone, you know, the dancing or the singing or the communion or whatever or the coffee shops yeah. um, and schools. Oh, so it's, oh my God. Schools is a community center. Yeah. Schools is yeah. a daycare. I mean, I really hope this wakes people up to the idea that school has more function than just telling your kids how to do one plus one. I mean, mm-hmm. the idea okay. that, you know, the school isn't the center of the community is really blown out of the water now. Um, and you know, our administrators are doing some heroic things and they're totally unfunded. My husband went to, um, it was just something set up by the, the, uh, principal. It was to help people. They could come, you can come and bring your computers if you have computer trouble and they're trying to troubleshoot things. And it was just on a Saturday morning and they don't, they don't have anybody. It's just something they're doing on their own time and they have no, there's not a lot of support. There's no money for these things. And um, I have my own issues. I certainly have had a lot of difficulty with communications with the schools. But, um, you know, people are really doing everything that they can and recognizing that they also, their balloons are completely full too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Super important. But just having the schools be, the understanding of the childcare issue in, especially in America, and I don't know about everybody else, but I know that some people obviously have to go to go out to work. But even if you're home at work and they're like, oh, here are your kids too. Good luck with that. I mean, I have to do everything. I have to do my job at the level or more. There's actually more piling on than ever at that same level. And here are your kids too. And there's almost no thought about that. There's 
almost no consideration of that at all. Um, so just the school and church and these these centers, and I do hope that people also recognize these essential workers. I think um, somebody just called them, they're like, well, they used to be called the middle class, but now they're essential workers, you know? And these the people who really actually run things and that you need on the ground and who do you really want on your team when the plague hits the fan kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there was something you said too about arts. You know, I wrote a note down. I, I write things down because if I listen to you and I'm like, I have an idea and I can't remember. <laughs> um, and I was like, the arts in general have become kind of spectator sports, which is weird to me because I, you know, my background is in theater and I've always had played instruments or sang in choirs or danced or did theater and always sort of as a secondary, you know, not to make money per se, but um, I, really hate going to concerts where I can't dance. If I have to sit there and listen and I can't dance, I feel totally, there is something hugely missing about that. And I do feel like the arts in general have sort of just become the spectator sport and you can YouTube the best in the world. And you're like, well, I can never be that. So you just don't. And I think a lot of people be like, oh, you wouldn't want to hear me sing or what have you. And that's, I think that's just a wrong way to think or you, I can't draw, I can't draw a straight line. And it's like, well, don't draw a crooked line then. I don't know. (laughs) Well, and you think, Hmm. sorry, you think, you know, I mean, maybe we are realizing um, I'm not big on silver linings. I don't really like the idea, but I do think um, maybe we're learning how important the arts are. I mean, that, that Mm -hmm. kind of comes back to school too, right? Like, like the stuff, it's the stuff that you didn't think that you thought of as um, extra that yes. turns out to be, that brings you all the joy, you know? And mm-hmm. it turns out that joy is necessary <laughs> mm. for life. Like it's not just a little bonus. It's, it's something that we all, we need. And um, being able to be in a concert, whether you, you're dancing or singing, or at least hearing live musicians, Mm -hmm. you know, if you are more of a listener, um, or participating in all kinds of creative activities, um, Mm -hmm. that, that, you know, those are the things that, boy, I mean, I just miss, I miss all of them. Yes. Yeah. And it usually is something that's brought drawing people together as well. Mm -hmm. You're sitting with people and saying you're at it in theater, you're dancing. Sitting on yep. them, you know, it's like, yep, exactly. <laughs> it's just like I, I'm no, I'll go out and do it again. But to your point, Danielle, I'm like, how many people are just not going to do some things again because it just yeah. doesn't feel right after you've seen all the diagrams of how far, you know, you're speaking <laughs> the aerosols from your mouth. Like, have you seen I, all these diagrams? It's an upsetting thing to think about. And it's like, it's not just cool. It's like, you look at the diagrams that you're like, that's our lives. We're just spitting at each other all day long, which is normal <laughs> and not gross. But for some reason, when they right. have the like little drawings and they talk about it all the time, it, like, it, I get in my head about it. I'm like, we're disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> we're all animals. We're all animals. <laughs> just think it's good for immunity, usually. That's what's supposed to be happening. I, I think it's good. You gotta throw your immune system a few curveballs so it can deal with some stuff. Um, I say as the only person here who caught COVID. I mean, <laughs> maybe I should be taking fewer risks. But yeah, like, well, but, um, I want to go into that because I wasn't going to bring it up, but since you did, yeah, well, you know, you give, give us um, your story. 
Well, at the very, very beginning, like around here, I think it was actually uh, February, my sister's daughters, things were starting to close down around here just because we were so close to Life Care Center, but nowhere else was really experiencing anything. And her daughters got very sick, they're, they're toddlers, um, but they were vomiting, diarrhea, rash, fever. And um, as things started to close down, her doctor was like, don't bring them in. It's too, you know, we don't, we didn't really know much about COVID at that point. And they were like, it's not worth the risk, but kids can't get COVID. So you, their kids are fine. Mm. It's probably bacterial. Mm. We brought Pedialyte and um, after a few days they were okay. And then um, my sister hadn't gone anywhere for, for, you know, a week and a half because they had been sick and because of COVID. And then she got sick. She has a history of bronchitis. And so she wasn't able to take care of her kids. She was a single mom. So I, my mom and I took care of my nieces, they're toddlers. So, um, mm. they're little disease carriers. So, um, <laughs> after about 10 are. days, yeah, throughout 10 days, my sister was well enough to take them back and I was too sick to care for them anymore. So I went home and I'm young and healthy and didn't have any pre-existing stuff. Um, but it was a tough couple of days. I've never been that tired and the shortness of breath was scary because it was an, ex- an experience I'd had before. My sister has asthma and had asthma very badly when she was growing up. And so she said it felt like an asthma attack. So it didn't give her anxiety because she knew what it was, but I'd never experienced anything like it. So for me, it was very like nerve wracking to not be able to fill my lungs up. That felt yeah. urgent, even though in my head, I knew it wasn't, I knew I was fine. You know, I'm breathing fine. It's just a little shallower, but mm. it felt nerve wracking. But it was, you know, in the end, I, I got better, and now you get immunity for what they say, like three months. So who knows? You know, yeah, it's, it all comes. Who knows? They don't know anything. My doctor said it's not worth testing for antibodies because they don't always find antibodies. The tests aren't reliable. Mm. I feel like that's another part of this whole thing is we don't have answers to anything. Everything is like, maybe it's different than it was four months ago than it was a month ago. It's constantly changing what they tell us is safe, what they tell us is reliable, when this will be over. It's, it's the uncertainty for me. And the other thing I probably miss the most, listen, for all your talk of everyone can sing, some of us can't sing. And I'm just going (laughs) to put that out there. And I'll say this, part of our church service um, is that you can submit videos of yourself singing along to the liturgy and you record yourself singing and there's a video and then we put it together. We make these songs and the mix goes in here and then the song. So you see like Brady Wench style, a bunch of people singing the same song. Mm-hmm. And I submitted my, my thing to John who mixes it. And I'm on the back end. I can see the, all the behind the scenes stuff that most people submitting can't see. So I can see that on my video, John, our our worship and music director, has written, video good, please don't include audio. (laughs) So (laughs) I was deemed not even worthy of in a mix with a number of people. You could have just lowered the volume. It wasn't a solo. (laughs) So so for me, the music truly... I mean, it's not just in my head. I saw it. I I peeked behind the curtain, Rebecca. We're not all worthy of being in the mix. We work in community. We sing in community. Some of us are video only. 
Some of I think video that he meant that there was like a skip in your audio or something. I'm sure Surely, it was yes. something like that. Yeah. Technical issue, I'm Technical sure. Issue. <laughs> but the the thing about church I think I miss the most though is around my along my day something where I'll I'll be thinking of someone from church someone I I know in the church setting but I don't speak to them otherwise they're not in my phone to text with I I don't come across them in in my everyday life and I'm constantly oh next time I see Jack I should tell him that mm. or oh mm-hmm. I should. I'm going to tell so-and-so about this. Oh, Donna will love this shirt. And, and then I realized I'm not going to see them. The, these, anec- yeah. these anecdotes aren't there. It's that kind of that disappointing moment of like, oh. You don't get to don't share know. your life, essentially. Like, yeah. I want to be able to share my life. And I know that um, I have parents who are far away. My whole family's far away. And I go I'm racking my brain of how to get there for the holidays and how to make that safe for them my dad is 90 and you know even if I could get there and if I could drive 2,000 miles with my kids and you know and then we'd need COVID tests and like the whole how do you make that happen and I think that you know your comments really lead into the other piece I wanted to talk about today and get Pastor Katie's comments about living in uncertainty living in um You know, I think that most of us don't necessarily have lives that are filled with upheaval all the time. And, you know, that, of course, I'm grateful for that. And some people certainly do. But um, to have an entire population sort of living in this unstable ground on this unstable ground and in this uncertain times, like, what can we where can we turn to for some solidity there? Well, that's just, that's a minor question there. I mean, you know, try, try to make it harder, Rebecca. Um, <laughs> I figure I'd give you a big question and you can whittle that thing down. Yeah. I mean, that, I think that's the hardest thing because again, like all the stuff that we normally use to face the upheavals that we're sort of more accustomed to, you know, we, we know that death is a part of life and illness and job loss and divorce and um, moving. And, you know, we're, we, we know that losses come, but they normally come. Um, there's some, there's not predictability, but we can guess, you know, statistically they'll happen at certain times of our lives and we can kind of prepare for them. And then we have like friends that we can be with and, you know, rituals that we can participate in. And so I think that the this the level as you say the level of upheaval and the loss of all of the support systems that we would normally access to get ourselves through it is really hard um and so you know are there things we can do of course of course there are things we can do i mean i think it does matter that we try to connect to other people even if it's a pale imitation you know it's not the same to be on zoom as it is to meet in person but it's better than nothing um if we, you know, I keep reading more and more about like, we need to move our bodies. We need to like, mm-hmm. and that for me was the killer of that smoke week. Like uh, the one thing that was keeping me moving, keeping me going kind of mentally was actually like taking a walk and, you know, going outside for a while, and whatever. And then that was just like this claustrophobic week of, I can't even do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, move our bodies. I think things that like Rebecca, what you were saying about, about connecting with the woman and um, Oregon, you know, like do something to help somebody. Um, and it doesn't have to be a big thing. Um, Mm. 
I've been my personally, I've been participating in a project where you can write postcards to voters in other states and remind them of like, here's your early voting date. This is when it starts. Um, here's the website. If you are wondering how to check your registration, you know, so is that a big deal? Is it going to change the world? Nope. But it, you know what? It helps me. It makes me feel like I'm doing something. Um, I got a card from somebody from church a couple weeks ago, and I just have it on my desk as a reminder of how powerful it was to me to just get a card in the mail from somebody. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, hey, we miss you. Hope you're doing well. There was like no reason for it. Right. Um, it was better. so sweet and it was mm-hmm. so great. And like that kind of thing. Um, I'd say as well that for people listening, I mean, um, Holy Spirit has done an amazing job at providing, um, you know, service in general for on online for Sundays and um, Pastor Mike also is doing his crossways um, uh, teachings I guess he called them on Wednesdays and for me history helps a lot and a lot of that mm-hmm. is biblical study and he's deep into the history and looking backwards and looking at history is makes me feel better <laughs> because it takes you out of the moment you time travel when you read essentially or you time travel when you talk about these things and you can go back yep. to times that um have just different things happening and going on and draw draw your sustenance and draw um larger ideas out of the the mix of what's in your mind now um and i really like being able to focus on whatever sermon is happening this week um because it often is just it's it's easy to get caught in the minutia of what's happening in your daily life from school emails to work and uh i always felt like even though you can't go to church like stepping into that mindset of where the sermon is at and what was happening biblically and or a historical perspective allows me a little bit of breathing room of space and it's relieving. I don't know. It's just kind of relieving. Mm -hmm. So I encourage people to tune in. At least I have to say, I do like the online format because some portions of the service are not my favorites. (laughs) And I can be like, I just go a little faster in those. And then maybe those are the, Maybe those are the parts that other people love, and they can just take it in, right? It's <laughs> and you can watch it. Adventure. You can watch it on like a Tuesday at two o'clock. I mean, like right. that's you know sort of a nice thing to engage with it when you're able to. And when our, I think our schedules are so weird these days for many people that it's nice to have that flexibility. But right, um, right, yeah. No, it's yeah. a. I really kind of enjoy that, and. um getting the kids to watch it, you know, whenever we can piecemeal it in is really, really good too. Whoa, that's tiring. Um, I love that we got together and I love this episode. I, this was kind of just the cathartic reboot. I hope it wasn't too depressing for people out there. <laughs> I feel like we need um, a reset though. Like a, here we are in the new world before we go forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, here we are in the new world, and we have uh, new episodes that are going to be happening, and we hope that you tune in. We're going to try to get this on the calendar much more frequently, and um, uh, now that everybody has just a minute to um, to have this be part of their lives, I think that uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk with, with you guys and to 
reconnect. It's very rare that I'm on Zoom calls or otherwise for friendship. It's all work and school and stuff like that. And I think that's why people kind of are like, oh, because it just becomes, you know, don't ask more of me, you know, stop taking from me. The caregiving is getting to be too much, that kind of thing. So to reconnect as friends and then podcast, just chat so you can hear what we're thinking. Oh, and please, you know, write in. Uh, Danielle, what's our address again? Challenging, Challenging Christianity. Christianity at com. No, I thought it was Challenging Christianity Podcast, right? Oh, no, you guys, it's been so long. <laughs> Hang on. Let me We're just gonna find you. out the real one. Because oh my gosh, I went, you guys, this is humiliating. After everything that we've been, it's been a long six months. After we've um, you know, we have sort of done our catharsis here and talking about this right in, let us know what you're thinking, what you want us to talk about, because I see this moving forward, especially during this time, of course, we're going to do all the kind of programming that we have done before, but, um, you know, this is a time to share, you know, let's share together. Let's talk together, um, about events and, and the doings of the world <laughs> on this podcast. Okay, well, I have I have a, a, a tough moment for you guys. Not only is my audio not included in the group songs for Holy Spirit worship, um, <laughs> I was incorrect about our web about our email. So this has been a tough day for Danielle, frankly. <laughs> it is indeed a challenging Christianity podcast at gmail.com. It's a long um, one, but you can do it, people. It's a long one. It's a long one, but you know what? I bet it'll autofill. You've written to us before. Come on, guys. Yeah. And uh, like I said, you don't have to have a question. You know, you can have questions, but you don't have a question. Just tell us what's going on. And, you know, we can, you know, read your stories on air and just, you know, make it like more of a sharing forum. So we'd love to hear from you. Um, and thanks. And we will see you again soon. Bye. Okay. See you soon. Thanks, Rebecca and Danielle. Thanks, Pastor Katie. <laughs>